This is the Piggly Wiggly in New Hope. Great hospitable folks here. Brings back wonderful, wonderful memories. My first job was at a grocery store. I was a preschooler. I'd go with my mom every Friday to do the shopping at Quick Check on Noble Street in Anniston. The manager knew us well, and, and every Friday he gave me a job. My job was picking up soft drink bottles around the store. In those days, shoppers would buy soft drinks in bottles from the soft drink machine and drink them as they pushed their carts, my mom called them buggies, through the aisles. When they finished the drinks, instead of returning them to the crates, all too often they merely placed the bottles on the shelves up by the macaroni and cheese or the cornflakes. Well, that was unsightly. Besides, those were the days of refundable bottles and the manager wanted to get the bottles back. So he'd give me a quarter and while my mom shopped, I gathered bottles, at least the ones I could reach. Neither my mom nor the manager ever noticed that every bottle I brought back was bone dry. What they didn't realize is that there was a perk, a benefit, a bonus to that job. In my mind, whatever liquid was left in the bottles was mine. Sometimes people would leave a few swallows in the bottom of the bottle. Well, I'd turn those unemptied bottles up and finish them off. Cokes, knee-high oranges, didn't matter. My mom would have fainted and fallen face first in the frozen foods if she'd known what I was doing. At the time, it seemed like such a good idea. Now I look back and wonder, what was I thinking? Of course, that wasn't the only thing I did in my younger years that has left me wondering, what was I thinking? And maybe I'm not the only one who has ever asked the, what was I thinking, question. Maybe lots of us have some regrets, legal or financial troubles about which not many people know, substance abuse, maybe getting fired from a job or jobs, a previous divorce kept quiet. For those and various other reasons, some of us have serious regrets. Most of us have been able to identify with the woman at the well at one time or another. Wells used to play a central part in the life of a community. This is not exactly a well, it's a spring. But it's a place near Newmarket which played a central role in a wonderful family Tally Fanning's grandfather, Ruford Fanning, bought this place in 1912, and Tally's father used to get water from this, this place, when he was a little boy. It was at a place, something like this, that Jesus met a woman. She was a Samaritan woman. The, the Samaritans had roots in the Jewish race, but had intermarried over the, over the years such that they were looked down on, looked down on as half-breeds. That Samaritan woman at the well had a long list of intimate relationships and a long list of regrets. She must have been asking, 
what was I thinking? She'd been married five times and was living with a man, not her husband. Why would she, why would she have jumped around like that from, from bed to bed, from marriage to marriage? She must have been searching for something. Maybe, maybe she was looking for love, real love. Maybe, maybe she was looking to be loved genuinely and unconditionally loved. Jesus said to her, let me give you living water. She had been in bed after bed with man after man, but every time she drank from those wells, she ended up thirsty, more thirsty than before. Jesus said, I can give you living water so you won't, you won't thirst anymore. He was talking about a satisfaction in her soul that she was never going to find jumping from relationship to relationship. An old gospel song says only Jesus can satisfy your soul. And that's the truth. You can't find that satisfaction anywhere else. I'm going to make a guess that somebody watching this is thinking rather smugly. Well, I haven't exactly been an angel, but at least I haven't been as bad as that Samaritan woman at the well. But I'm also guessing that someone is watching who's, who's anything but smug. Maybe you identify with this Samaritan woman. Maybe you, maybe you haven't been married five times and maybe you're not living with someone now to whom you're not married, but, but you know what it's like to have a string of bad choices, a list of regrets, a, a mental and emotional catalog of what was I thinking? Like the Samaritan woman, many of our deepest regrets come from, from bad sexual choices, from lingering pain over an abortion to lament over pornography, from humiliation over youthful indiscretions to secrets or mistakes as, as recent as last night. Without a doubt, there are hurts and memories, maybe secrets, haunting many of us. Jesus was not he was not indulgent or condoning. Jesus was not lenient or dismissive toward bad choices. He, he didn't turn, to, turn a blind eye to what the Bible calls sin, yet, yet he was particularly tender, especially gentle and compassionate toward people who had stumbled sexually. For he knew that, that our sexuality touches us where we are most fragile emotionally and that many feel deeply the pain of past decisions. And so Jesus was especially tender towards some folks, like the woman caught red-handed in adultery who was dragged before Jesus in the twilight hours by men who already had stones in their hands. Like the prostitute who washed Jesus' feet to the shock and indignation of the religious leaders. Like the Samaritan woman at the well, whose multiple marriages and present cohabitation had left her with a thirsty soul towards them, Jesus was particularly tender. And there are some things I want you to know if you are living with regrets. You are not alone. Lots of good people wish they'd done some things differently. You are forgivable. Nothing, not even regrets, can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And you have 
You have not forfeited your place in God's mission to the world. What eventually happened with that Samaritan woman at the well, you think? The Bible doesn't tell us the rest of the story. But I imagine, I imagine her and the, and the man she was living with getting married and loving life. I imagine her encouraging other young ladies who had looked for love in all the wrong places. I imagine that Samaritan woman inspiring other women to recognize Jesus as the source of real live love and telling ladies with regrets not to wallow in disgrace. I imagine that Samaritan woman at the well pleading with, with other women not to let self-righteous folks heap shame on them because of their pasts. And I'll bet she never did stop telling people about how Jesus had changed her life. What a beautiful story of grace. Folks at First Baptist Huntsville have heard me tell the story of my favorite baptism. When we lived in Richmond, Virginia, Denise was not a member of our church and I had not yet met her. But her friend, who was a member of our church, explained that Denise and her husband wanted me to visit them, and I did. Denise explained that she had, had inoperable, incurable cancer and she wanted to talk about her life. She explained that she had made some, well, some bad choices, a string of them, had suffered the consequences, and had a number of regrets. Denise also explained that as a teenager, she had made the decision to follow Jesus. She, she had been sincere about that decision, but in time, she wandered into some really bad relationships. Now, Near the end of her life, she was looking back and wishing she had remained true to a, a Christ-like lifestyle. Her faith in Jesus, declared as a teenager, was now more important to her than ever, and she was sad that she never had been baptized. I saw her sincerity, and I told her about our upcoming annual baptism service in the James River. I asked if she'd like to be baptized in the James in that service. Denise was thrilled at the idea of being baptized in the river as a, as a signal of her spiritual commitment, and, and she began looking forward to it. That river baptism would be in June, a couple of months later. But in May 2008, right about midnight on a Sunday night, my phone rang. It was Denise's friend. Denise had taken a rapid turn for the worse and was in the neuro-intensive care unit at a Richmond hospital. Denise's friend was asking if I'd come to the hospital. Denise had asked for me to come and said she wanted to be baptized that night. I drove to the hospital thinking about Baptist baptism practices. You know, we, we dunk people all the way. I was wondering what I'd do in an intensive care unit in a hospital. When I arrived, the room was full of close friends, her husband, her former husband and his wife. Even two nurses had heard about what was going to happen and they came in to lend their support. I spoke with Denise and indeed she wanted to be baptized then and there. I looked across the room and I saw a sink and some styrofoam cups. I took a cup and 
I filled it with water and then I grabbed a towel, explained what I was going to do. And then I said, before I baptize Denise, why don't we, why don't we sing a song? Why don't we sing Amazing Grace? So I, I began. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Folks joined in. Lots of folks, you know, know the, know the words to Amazing Grace. That saved a wretch like me. It was, it was beautiful. At night, in an intensive care unit where the walls and the floors are hard, and the only sounds are the occasional beeps of IVs and the, the subtle purring of vent ventilators. The notes of amazing grace echoed movingly. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Denise was too weak to sing much more than a few words at a time, but she'd sing a phrase or two and then she'd catch her breath and then she'd jump back in again. Was blind, but now I see. We sang the whole thing, including that part about when we've been there 10,000 years. And then I baptized her, poured the water gently over her forehead, common water from a styrofoam cup, a sacred symbol of unconditional, undeserved, unlimited, unrelenting love. Shortly after I baptized her, Denise drifted off to sleep, exhausted. Denise never awoke on this earth. But at 4.30 the next afternoon, Denise awoke in the presence of God. And the last sounds on earth she heard were sounds of grace. Why sing Amazing Grace? Because Denise seemed to be slipping away fast. And I wanted Denise to know that the God whom she soon would meet delights in her. Denise had some regrets for sure, some what was I thinkings from her past. Yet I wanted Denise to know that the father whom she soon would meet face to face loved her beyond measure, adores her. I wanted her to know that because her faith was in Jesus, not in her own goodness, she didn't have to be afraid. She didn't have to be afraid of what would follow her last breath. And I would want you to know that too. All, all who have regrets, all who wonder, what was I thinking? Grace, God's unconditional, undeserved, unlimited, unrelenting love is amazingly great, greater than all our sins and all our shame and all our regrets.